excited. Uh, originally, when Pastor Doug uh, asked me to speak, <clears throat> I wasn't as excited. Not that I'm, you know, not excited to speak, but he was like, yeah, I want you to continue in the series of Revelation, and that just, like, I started sweating, just because Revelation is a, is, is a very, 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 very difficult book to preach through. I, I'm super excited for the series that we've been going through, and... Uh, I just kept a smile on my face, and I was like, sure, I could preach on November 22nd, and inwardly, I was like, why did you say that? Um, and then Pastor Doug was like, no, you know what, I just want you to preach what the Lord has on your heart, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that, and inwardly, I was like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, very grateful for that. Um, but to start things off, uh, by show of hands, how many of you grew up in the church? And when I say grew up, I mean like you went through kids ministry and all that stuff and you know, you, all right, we got some hands. Now, how many of you didn't? I am among those hands right there who did not grow up in the church. Um, when I felt called to ministry and went to Bible college, I was going to Bible college not as one of the, you know, superstars of the youth group who knew all the Bible answers or anything. I... I didn't really get serious about my relationship with God until my, you know, mid-junior mid year of high school uh, slash it was ending. Uh, coincidentally, I started dating Rachel around that time too, and, you know, maybe, you know, she had some pretty great influence on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't get serious about my relationship with God till a little later on, and so... I, I knew that I was on the side of the students who went to Bible college knowing that I had a calling on my life, but I knew uh, very little about the Bible. In fact, I, I think the only things that I knew about the Bible uh, were that Noah delivered the Israelites from Egypt and Moses built the ark. Um, and if, if you don't get that joke, flip-flop the people. Um, so yeah, I didn't grow up in church, got saved as a teenager, um, uh, didn't grow up in children's church, so uh, I always am in this awkward position with young adults my age when a children's church uh, song comes on or, you know, some, some song that was like huge when they were kids and they're super excited about it and I could see that they're excited about it. They're like, oh, remember this song? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, and so some, uh, some people grew up, uh, you know, some people grew up with David Crowder, Kim Walker, Chris Tomlin. Um, and, and other artists that, you know, I just didn't grow up with, uh, whereas I grew up with what you could call worldly artists, um, listen to anything, anything and everything except for country. Uh, I didn't really listen to country until I started dating my wife, and then I still don't listen to country, but every now and then she, you know, will put it on the radio and stuff like that. But I grew up with very, very, very different artists, uh, and, uh... To, so much to the point where um, I'm not going to do this for you, but <laughs> if you ask me to rap you a Tupac song, I probably know all of his lyrics, and that's not a good thing. Uh, we'll, we'll just leave that there. Um, so again, still to this day, I see some people get excited about stuff that I just didn't grow up with because it wasn't a part of the culture that I grew up with. I didn't grow up in the church. Um, prior to this, my family was a, a group or, or in a group of people that I have given a label. Uh, this label I like to call Christers, which are people who go to church twice a year on Christmas and Easter. Uh, and depending on if you were having a good year or a really bad year, maybe even on Thanksgiving week, yeah, you know, depending on what was going on in the church. But that was all that uh, I went to, to church, and so I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up with a solid biblical foundation. Um, 
I, again, I, I was a priester growing up. And so growing up like that, I kind of had preconceived notions about the church. Um, I didn't grow up with uh, the, a solid anything. You know, I, I grew up in the Catholic church, grew up in the Catholic church. And so I knew that there were just certain points where I was going to kneel, I was going to stand, sit back down, stand back up, kneel down again. And it was just, you know, this constant aerobic of just squatting and standing and kneeling and all sorts of stuff. Um, and so uh, I, had, I had all sorts of preconceived notions about the church. Um, and all of those uh, preconceived notions began to disappear as I began to get serious about my relationship with God when I actually started paying attention at church and in youth group and things like that. And one of the preconceived notions that I used to believe was that um, I thought faith was a substance in which I could acquire more of, kind of like a material object. Um, I believed that in my heart, I had like this faith container, this, this jar, you know, as if it was like, like an or, part of my organs that could be filled with more material, more material faith, you know, more, more material things like faith. Um, and I genuinely believed this as a teenager because with this preconceived notion in mind, I would read the Bible uh, every now and then when I actually would. I would read things like Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, when Jesus, com- when, when Jesus comes the, storms, uh, the storm rather, before his disciples, and then he looks at them and he says, Oh, you of little faith, and begins rebuking them. And in my mind, for some reason, I took that to be, Oh, you who have little faith, as if, again, it was a material object for you to be able to grab hold of and store and keep for whenever you felt like you needed it. And then, as I began to pay attention more in church, youth group, and um, I felt called to ministry, and I I answered that call, Uh, I obviously read the Bible more, which is a good thing, and I got to Hebrews 11.1, and Hebrews 11.1 kind of shattered that preconceived notion that I had about faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, we're going to put it up on the screen for those of you who don't know it, it's, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Again, faith is confidence about what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The two words that I really want us to keep in mind today as I continue with uh, this message is confidence and assurance. Faith is confidence in what is hoped for and the assurance about what we do not see. Again, confidence and assurance. By the way, how many of you are excited that Thanksgiving is this coming Thursday? Right? Uh, it's, it's, the one, it's the one holiday every year where you get to go to town on eating and know that you're not going to be judged. And so I'll usually wear like stretchy pants or something like that. You know, that way I can eat a lot and then pass out after uh, in a food coma. And so I am excited about Thanksgiving. And I, I, I saw uh, this past week that they released the, um, the, the rules and the regulations about Thanksgiving that you're not supposed to have more than 10 people. Uh, gathering for Thanksgiving, uh, and I saw a meme that made me laugh that said, you can only have 10 people for Thanksgiving, but you can have 30 people attend a funeral. So conveniently on November 26th, if your pet turkey is going to die and you need to hold a funeral with all of your loved ones, make sure that you let your loved ones know that they will be there and, uh, and, and mourn with you as your, tur- as your turkey has passed from one person to another on your table, so on and so forth, and enjoy a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I saw that, and it really made me laugh. Um, has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today, so Pablo, focus. <laughs> anyway, 
Moving forward, confidence and assurance. I am confident that there will be more than 10 people in some people's houses this coming Thursday. But we'll move on. Move on, Pablo. So again, <laughs> confidence and assurance. People of, uh, people of faith, when it comes to this scripture in mind, confidence about what we hope for and assurance about what we, uh, what we do not see, people of faith ought to be the most confident people on the face of the earth. And when I say confident, I'm not saying arrogant. Rather, where our confidence is in, or rather whom our confidence is in. We ought to live in confidence because we are confident about whom we serve. Confident because of the hope that we have in Jesus. Confident because we know the truth of God's word, and just confident because we know that he loves us. Amen? Amen. Too many times I've seen believers live in constant discouragement, fear, anxiety, among other things, and turning to the wrong things for help. Um, turning to social media to post about issues instead of turning to prayer, the word, and people who are going to lift them uh, up and encourage them in their faith and just in life in general. And I'm not saying today that issues like depression and anxieties don't exist in a believer, and if it does, it's because of lack of faith or anything like that. If someone, and I just want to make this clear, if someone is battling something like depression, please make sure that you seek the proper help and communicate with a trusted group of close friends who are going to come alongside you in life, pray with you, and lift you up in those difficult seasons of life. What I am trying to say today is that believers ought to always keep God in perspective. Amen? When God is always in perspective, you're able to say something like, I'm going through a difficult season if I'm being honest, if I'm being real with you right now. Life is kind of hard right now, but I know that God's got me. You're able to say that confidently knowing who God is. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I've, I've met people before uh, in, in all sorts of church scenarios, you know, not, I'm not, you know, talking about people here, of course, but uh, all sorts of church scenarios where, I mean, you could, to a T, you could ask them and it's rehearsed, uh, you know, hey, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored, praise the Lord. And it's just every week, blessed and highly favored, uh, favored, <laughs> favored, praise the Lord. And um, it, it was this rehearsed kind of response instead of just being real about like, hey, I'm not having a good week. You know, this is going on in life. I have all this stuff going on. Would you come alongside with me and pray with me? But I know that God has got it at the end of the day. And so, again, God is in perspective. We need to not build our faith on feelings. I know that's just a blanket statement right there, but think about it. Feelings are fickle. Feelings are very fickle, meaning they're constantly changing depending on what side of the bed you wake up on. Faith built on feelings will constantly be fluctuating depending on whether you're having a good day or a bad day, but instead we need to build our faith on truth. Because truth is truth despite what you may be feel feeling on any given day. Uh, truth doesn't depend on your feelings. It doesn't care about your feelings. Truth is truth if you're having a good day, a bad day, or even just a weird day. How many of you have ever had a weird day? Like, it wasn't necessarily good, but it wasn't necessarily bad. You just kind of feel like, man, I feel like I was kind of in a fog all day today. Like, maybe this was a dream or something like that. And then, lo and behold, it's not a dream. Uh, it's real life. And so we have good days, bad days, even weird days. <clears throat> but truth is, if we want to stand on truth, truth is God loves you. He is for you and not against you. Out of all of his creation, you are not his biggest but he gave you his image. And did I mention that he loves you and that there's nothing you can do about it? Amen? 
So again, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The question that we need to ask ourselves, and I, I always tell the youth kids this, that honestly, when it comes to our faith, we need to just consistently be self-reflecting, reflecting on our actions, reflecting on our inactions, reflecting on our lives in general, uh, ensuring that what we say we believe or you know, say who we are lines up with who we actually are and what we do. And so one of the questions that we need to ask ourselves as we continue to walk with the Lord and grow in our relationship with Him is, how confident am I in what I believe? How confident am I in what I say I believe? Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do so. I know it's a very, 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 very long chapter of the Bible I'm only kidding, it's only six verses, so we're going to go through the entirety of Psalm 23. Um, And so beginning with verse verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations might say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6. Surely goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that was long, you know, we got to shake that one off, you know, we we were there for a while, but bear with me, we're going to go through Psalm 23, and this is probably a verse that all of us, or or at least most of us, know, Uh, and um, we're going to really break this down and see how this verse applies to us today in the context of Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1. So verse 1 communicates more than the fact that God is our shepherd. Sometimes the Bible communicates a lot more than what a verse is physically communicating. You can read into things like, if God is our shepherd, then we are his sheep. That is a truth that you can read into. And if we are his sheep, then like sheep, we depend on our shepherd. We depend on him to provide things like protection. We, de- uh, we, we depend on him to provide things like what we need in life, basic things to survive and things like peace as well. And so sheep can live confidently knowing that their shepherd is always watch, watching them. That's why we, with God as our shepherd, can say, I lack nothing. Amen? Amen. David, David didn't say, I lack some things, but you know, God is going to provide. No, he said, I lack nothing. The difference is sometimes in this day and age, we need to make a distinction between wants and needs. Amen? God provides all that we need, therefore we're able to say that I lack nothing. In verses 2 to 3, we see what our shepherd does for us. He leads us and guides us to the green pastures and the still waters. And again, provides for us all that we need. Like, you know, verse 1 and again, 2 and 3, what he actually does. uh, Which is why one who follows the Lord can again say, I lack nothing. Uh, One of the blessings that comes from Uh, the Lord's leading is spiritual restoration. As a shepherd leads his sheep to calm waters for rest and cleansing, 
so the Lord is able to restore and refresh our soul. Have you ever been going through a difficult season of life that you just felt like the weight of the world was on your shoulders and you just spent a little time in prayer and worship and after you just come out feeling, I mean, your, your situation didn't change. Nothing changed about the, the circumstances that you found yourself in, but you just felt lighter. You felt better because you brought, you brought God into perspective. And so uh, we, we get to verse 4. David is declaring that though he may walk through the darkest valleys, fear is not something that he will allow to remain in his heart because he knows that God is Emmanuel, the God who is always with us. Amen? Uh, when I was a kid, I had a death, deathly fear of the dark. Like, I mean, I was terrified of the dark. Um, and uh, it, it was always one of those things where if I was going into a dark place, I would always look for, you know, somebody to be with me. Whether I was with my parents, whether I was with one of my siblings, even though they could care less about my fear of the dark or anything like that. I just needed to make sure that I was with somebody. That way I was not alone. Um, and it, it, it works like this with God in that we don't need to live in constant states of fear. Constant anxiety about what ifs in life, you know, with all the mysteries that could happen potentially tomorrow. Um, why? Because God is Emmanuel. He is always with us. David says, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Amen? And I said just a moment ago that keeping God in perspective is huge when it comes to living confidently in our faith. Amen? We can all agree to that. But, listen, hear this. If a sheep ever finds itself in a situation in which the shepherd is not in view or not in perspective, when it comes to God, it is never our shepherd's fault. It is never our shepherd's fault. And, and, and when we live our lives in such a way where, God, where are you in this? God, where are you? In, are, are you, you know, don't you see that I'm going through this? Don't you see that I'm, I'm, I'm in this difficult season of life? But we need to remind ourselves that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that we serve today is the same God that Jesus prayed to in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the, the same God that we, we serve today and, and desires relationship with us is the same God in which spoke to Abraham when, when he said, I will make you a father over many, many nations. It's the same God that fellowshiped with Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, at, at the beginning, or the Garden of Gethsemane, um, the Garden of Eden, rather. And so the same God is still actively involved in our lives today. And if we ever find ourselves or a sheep ever finds itself in a position in which the shepherd is no longer in view or cannot be heard, the problem is not with the shepherd. The problem is with the sheep. And when we find ourselves in situ, if we ever find ourselves in situations like this in life, our first step should be to fall to our knees in prayer. Fall to our knees in prayer and surrender and worship to God. Amen? God is always with us, as David said. And then at the end of verse 4, you see David say, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff and the rod are a shepherd's tool in order for him to be able to shepherd well. Both are significant and have very different roles. The staff was used to guide sheep and make sure that they were in line and not going astray. 
And sometimes a shepherd's staff would have a hook at the end, a shepherd's crook. And the staff would be used to just gently, if a sheep was kind of going astray from where the rest of the flock was going, just tap, tap the side of the sheep like, no, this is where you need to be going. And sometimes that hook would be used if a sheep was stubborn enough to ignore the tap. That hook would go around the sheep's neck and no, this is where we're going. Um, and a shepherd was also equipped with a rod. The rod was a blunt object that's uh, primary use was to protect the sheep. Um, however, the rod was also used sometimes to protect the sheep from itself. If the staff did not work, I saw a video that uh, I wanted to pull up, but I just didn't think that I would have the time for it. But it was of a little shepherd boy in Israel. And this boy, I mean, he could not have been more than nine years old. And he's leading this whole flock with the two of his brothers, you know, barely older than he was, but he was the one with the staff and the rod. And one of the sheep was going astray. It was just the sheep were going this way, that sheep was going this way. And he's on the other side of the flock, and so obviously he can't use the staff. And so what he did, uh, which I, I, I laughed when, when it happened, uh, was he took that rod and with precision, I mean precision, just threw it up in the air, arced it, and just cracked that sheep in the head. And the sheep just turned around and got back in line. And I was dying laughing when I saw that because I was like, wow, I wonder how many times God has had to do that in my life for me to kind of just get back on track and just, oh, that's what you're trying to do. Oh, God, forgive, you know, sheep are stubborn. Sheep are very stubborn. People are stubborn. I'm, you know, don't shake your, you know, don't agree with me. Don't shake your head. Yes, but people are stubborn. Don't look at your spouse. My spouse is in the back, so she cannot see me right now. Um, but so the, the, the staff and the rod were able to bring comfort to David. They're able to bring comfort to the sheep. Why? Because they represent the, Lord, the Lord's provision they represent the Lord's presence and, and His protection. That if you can feel the Lord's leading, His presence is there. Praise the Lord. He's also providing for you, by the way. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when you don't see it. And He's also protecting us. And sometimes the Lord's protection looks a little, or rather, a lot different than what we want it to look like. You know, sometimes we have a certain way of doing things like saying, God, here's how I want you to operate in my life. Here's how I want you to protect me from certain situations or provide for me this. Or, God, here's how I want you to answer this prayer to a T. This is how I want you to do it, God. Uh, but how many of us know that the Bible says God's way of doing things are different? In fact, they're higher than our own. And his thoughts are higher than our own as well. And so sometimes the Lord, when he's leading us to do something, uh, it's not that, or, or rather through a difficult situation, he doesn't, he, he, it's not in his plan to completely remove us from the situation and, oh, God will praise you because you did everything. In fact, sometimes God is asking us to take a step of faith, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not sit in it and wait till somebody comes to get you, but walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We get to verse 5, and verse 5 is, verse five is big. David says, uh, The Lord prepares a table for him in the presence of his enemies, and anoints his head with oil, and declares that his cup is overflowing. This is big right here. Uh, this coming Thursday, families are going to be gathered at the table. And, and what are we going to be doing this coming Thursday? We're going to be fellowshipping together. We're going to be resting with one another, having fun, and, and being thankful. Um, when, when, God, when, when David said that God is preparing a table for him, what he's saying is that God is inviting him to find rest, though his enemies are before him and though he finds himself in the darkest valleys. 
Tables represent fellowship. They represent rest. You know, you see Jesus fellowshipping with his disciples the Last Supper. They're at a table. They're resting. They're fellowshipping uh, and, and all that stuff. And uh, again, what, what David is saying is that though I'm in a difficult season of life right now, though I may be in the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, though my enemies may be before me, I can still find rest. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd and he provides for me. He's always with me. And he protects me. Again, it's just that reoccurring theme. A good host in those days would welcome his or her guest and anoint them with oil and wash their feet. This was all to make sure that your guest felt comfortable and provided for while they were the guest in your home. In view of the table and the oil, David knew that his lot in life, of meaning his cup, was abundant uh, with blessing from the Lord. Why, again, because the Lord was his shepherd. Amen? You're able to have access to, ty- uh, to these types of things when the Lord is your shepherd. But let me tie this all together before I get into verse 6, because verse 6 is really a declaration. David's position was one of confidence and assurance in this psalm. Uh, and and it was, his confidence and assurance was directly related to the fact that God was his shepherd. His confidence, despite what situation he found himself, was because God was the one who was leading him, was because God was his master, was because God was the one who provided for him, was because God was the one who sustained him. When a person begins to go through hardship, you begin to see where their trust really is, whether it be in their bank account, finances, uh, other people, material things, or in, you know, God. And to have great faith is to have great confidence and assurance as the worship team comes up. Again, to have great faith is to have great confidence and assurance in what you believe to be true. Standing on that truth despite what you may be feeling, feeling on in any given season because truth is truth. Amen? And if you believe the Bible to be true and are confident in that today, then you know that the Lord is your shepherd. You know that being your shepherd, he will guide you to green pastures and still waters. You know that he is always with you. You know that he refreshes your soul. You know that he leads you along the right paths for his namesake. You know that he prepares a table uh, for you before your enemies. And you know that because he is your shepherd, you're able to confidently say, my cup overflows. Amen? How many of us know that confidence requires trust, though? Confidence requires trust. You cannot have confidence in anyone or anything if you do not trust the individual. And, And we as believers need to trust God. Amen? Trust in the word of God to be true. Trust that God is who he says he is. Trust that he is a good shepherd. He's the best shepherd. And he will do all of these things for you. Trust knowing that his way of doing things is better than our way. Amen? God does things differently, but guess what? God does things better than any of us could ever. That includes leading our own lives. God can do a way better job with that. Trust knowing that God loves you. Have faith. Because we trust him, we're able to have faith, which is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. 
St. Augustine said it like this, faith is the belief in what we cannot see and the reward for that faith is seeing what we believe. Can you confidently say that you believe that? David, full in faith, meaning confidence and assurance, gets to verse six. Listen to verse six one more time if we can get that up there. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So again, the question stands in our own personal reflection. How confident am I in what I say I believe? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things in which God has prepared for them that love him. So why does God do all this for his sheep? Because he loves us. I mean, that, that might be just a, it's such a simple answer and it might be like, a, oh man, I was waiting for this great answer and you know, this, you know, uh, it's it just so profound and it's, it's simple, but it's profound. How could God love us? We sin, we mess up all the time. We need his grace every day. We need his grace to be new every day. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for us to give us the opportunity to be reconciled back to him in right relationship, forgiven of all of our sins. In this season of Thanksgiving, I'm not, on, I'm not only thankful for where I am in life. I'm not, I'm not only thankful for health. I'm not only thankful for the health of my family and, and my family in general and, and what I have. But the thing that I'm most thankful for in my life is my Lord and Savior, without whom I'm confident that, that I would not be here today. But my confidence is in Christ today. My assurance is also found in Christ today. And so my prayer for the church today as we can all stand and just prepare for just a couple moments of worship, my prayer is that we would be encouraged. My prayer is that we, wouldn't be we would be encouraged because he loves us. Though you may feel like you're in the valley with your enemies before you, guess what? God has prepared a table for you. Now the question stands, will you accept his invitation to find rest. Whatever season of life you may be in right now, whatever difficulty, maybe Thanksgiving does not represent good times for you because of current circumstances. God prepares a table to find rest. So again, as we worship, will you accept his invitation to find that rest?